Hey, thanks for connecting in with us at the Mountain Park Church Podcast. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor here at Mountain Park, and we are about to enter into part three of our Vision 2030 series called Building Cathedrals in a World of Castles and Fortresses. Okay, so we are in part three, as I mentioned, of our Vision 2030 series. We're calling this Building Cathedrals in a World of Castles and Fortresses. If that makes no sense to you, you need to go back and start with part one and two. But I'm sitting here, it's Thursday afternoon, actually early Thursday evening, and this is now my fourth crack at communicating this clearly and in a compelling way, you know, there's God has been stirring so much in me over the last few years, so much deep work that he's been doing in me. It can be challenging to express that in a way that is concise and compelling. So I'm hoping that this is the final recording of this part three, version number four. I wanna just jump right into our teaching text, which is the same as part two, Matthew 7, 24 to 27. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Jesus is saying this, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. In part two, we unpacked what it meant for Jesus to say, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. That, we, that is what we were kind of keying in on in part two. We unpacked this idea that the call of Jesus and our 2030 vision is a call to us, to people into a life of apprenticeship to Jesus where Niagara, is filled with people who begin to live the way of Jesus for the renewal of Niagara, where we begin to live the prayer of Jesus, not just know what he says and not just agree with him about what he says. Jesus is uh, starting this off by saying, it's the one who follows or puts into practice or lives what I teach that is wise. So our vision here is, again, as a reminder, our 2030 vision is to build, but it's to build people who are living cathedrals of the tangible presence and power of God by learning to live the way of Jesus for the renewal of Niagara. We long to see the invasion of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven in our church, in our families, marriages, classrooms, neighborhoods, workplaces, and city spaces. Our vision is to see Niagara filled with men and women, young and old, blazing with the presence of God in them. 
and a willingness for their normal life to become the place where heaven and earth meet for the renewal of their heart, their families, their marriages, their friendships, their businesses, and the community they live in. I want to repeat that. Our vision is to see men and women, young and old, blazing, ignited, like on fire with the presence of God in them, who also carry a willingness for their normal life to become the place where heaven meets earth. Our vision is to be a catalyst for God's renewing fire, the renewal that comes from God's presence in the life of his followers. Again, our vision is to see our lives as the living cathedrals of God's presence, the places where heaven touches earth, bringing the character and beauty of the king into places of hopelessness and brokenness and bondage. Our vision in that way is to see men and women as these living cathedrals carrying the tangible presence of the kingdom of God. You and I are the place where heaven meets earth, where the reality of God's kingdom is manifest and expressed on the earth in and around us. We wanna see the power and beauty of Jesus alive again. We wanna see Jesus made beautiful in our community again, in our cities and in our region. We wanna see Jesus as the object of the affection of the church again. We wanna see his kingdom at work in tangible ways through people who are taking up this call to live the way of Jesus for the renewal of Niagara. We wanna see the gap between what we've read in the Bible and what we have experienced in our lives closed. Part of our vision is to recapture the biblical vision for what it means for men and women to carry the kingdom on the earth. That is the heart of where we're going. And just as a reminder, this kingdom that we're talking about, the kingdom of God, as we've defined it, is the effective range of his will. These are the places and spaces where what God wants done is done. And that's happening right now on the earth through people that are walking in obedience to God. That happens in your life and in my life when we yield ourselves to the word of God, when we yield ourselves to obedience to the voice of the spirit, the directing of the spirit of God, when we walk in step with the spirit, his kingdom comes in us and through us. It's also happening in the heavenly places we read about, in Daniel's vision, in Ezekiel's vision, in John's vision, in Revelation, there is a, a heavenly reality that is as, as real as our physical material world. It's just in a different reality. And it's not somewhere way out there. It's all around us, but it is, it is a different spiritual reality. That reality is part of the kingdom of God because in that place, in the throne room of God, in heavenly places, the will and the heart of God is being done, which is why those are the places of his kingdom. So his kingdom is both now and his kingdom is not yet. His kingdom is both present in our physical reality and it is a part of an alternate spiritual dimension that we 
don't often get a chance to see or feel or touch or be a part of in the way that we would want to. This is what we mean by his kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. It's the place where God's heart is fulfilled, where the the longing of the heart of God is carried out in the life of man. So back to Matthew 7, according to Jesus's teaching here, we are all builders building something. The question is not if you are building something in your life. The question is what are you building and what are you building on? Again, our vision for 2030 is to build, but it's not to build things, programs, ministry, brands, um, religious institution. Our vision is to build people who are building their life on the kingdom of God, who are building their life on Jesus. The question before us is not whether you are building something. You are. In this few verses in Matthew 7, Jesus is clearly saying we're all building. We are all building something. We are building our life into something. The question is what are you building and what are you building on? In part one of this 2030 vision series, I, I read to you a quote about Gothic cathedrals that was written by Gerald Sitzer. He's a Christian historian, academic, teacher, um, author. And as I was reading through one of his books a few months back, this description of Gothic architecture and cathedrals just arrested me. And I want to read a portion of that back to you because this is what we, this is the picture of what we feel God calling us to build and give vision to. So Gerald says this, what made Gothic architecture truly new was the vision of reality that it portrayed. Gothic churches were intended to represent in earthly form an image of heaven a building to depict in material form the spiritual reality of heaven. So do you get that? The the goal of the Gothic architect and the builder was to bring into the tangible, into the material, the reality of heaven as someone stepped into or steps into a Gothic cathedral. And you can walk into many of them um, all over Europe today, many cathedrals that were built during the Middle Ages are still standing. And the goal of the Gothic architect was to transport you from your reality on earth into a heavenly reality, but to to have you experientially walk into a different kingdom. Uh, He goes on to say, as if it were a kind of earthly incarnation of the celestial city, a window that opened up into another world. The Gothic cathedral was therefore more than a symbol. It was a literal representation of the kingdom of God on earth. I want to cue into that again one more time. I want you to hear this. The Gothic cathedral was therefore more than a symbol. It was a literal representation of the kingdom of God on earth. And that's the part that arrested me 
a number of months ago as I read that. And the Holy Spirit began to just draw all of these connections to what I've read and probably you've read many times in Scripture. The Apostle Paul said that our bodies, our physical bodies, are temples of the Holy Spirit. He says that in 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 6.19. Paul says in Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, that we together are being built into the house of God. Peter explains in 1 Peter 2.5 that we are, quote, living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. All through the New Testament, we're given this language, this metaphor of being built into a temple or, i.e., a cathedral of God's presence, that we are the tangible meeting place of heaven on earth. And our lives are meant to be the tangible place where heaven and earth meet. Our life is meant to be lived in such a way that those that are around us are encountering God's presence in and through us. That those people that we are working with and that we are playing hockey with and pickleball with and uh, playing cards with and whatever, doing all, all of the things that we do in our normal life, that it is through our lives that the people of our region and our cities and our neighborhoods are meant to encounter the tangible presence of God. We are God's temples. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit, the place where the divine meets the natural and the physical. The question is not if you are building something. The question is what are you building and what are you building on? The call of the writers of the New Testament is to build our lives as temples of the Holy Spirit, to allow ourselves to follow the blueprint, as it were, the blueprint of Jesus in building your life as a cathedral of the presence of God, a, a temple for the Holy Spirit. So you are building something. The question is, what are you building? And what are you building with? That is the question that I want to pervade your heart as you're listening to this, as you're processing with the Spirit in this week, in these days. What are you building and what are you building with? The call of Scripture is to follow the blueprint of Jesus in order to become a cathedral of the presence and power of God on the earth. The struggle that we have is that there's a massive gap that we all experience between what we envision our life could be in the kingdom or what we would like it to be, the ways that we would like God to manifest himself in power through our lives, the kind of stuff that we uh, dream about God entrusting to us in terms of life on the earth, there's a huge gap between that and what our actual reality is. Oftentimes, there is deep disappointment in our life. 
in terms of the way that our life has actually just turned out. There's deep discouragement and disappointment in this chasm that we experience between what we read in scripture and what we experience in our normal life. There is a struggle that we face to build our lives off of the blueprints that come from what Paul calls calls the unholy trinity, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And this unholy trinity that Paul talks about in Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, the world, the flesh, and the devil, they're offering us alternative blueprints for our life. They're offering us different building plans and different materials to build our life on. And they have a great promise they have a great appeal, but they often leave us, often leave us in a place of discouragement and disappointment where we don't see what we would love to see realized in our lives as it relates to our walk with God. So how do we, how do we address this gap between what is real and what is going on in our actual life? And the stories we read in scripture and the stories we hear about and these great men and women of the faith that have walked on this earth uh, before us. John Tyson in his book uh, called The Creative Minority says this, we need to commit to a series of alternative cultural practices that offset the molding forces of our culture. In other words, there's a different blueprint that, the kingdom operates from than the blueprints of our world, the flesh, and the devil. And so we are called to be these living cathedrals that are are building our lives off of the blueprint of scripture. That's the primary source for the blueprint for our life is actually from scripture. Scripture is that primary source. We need to build our lives off of the blueprint of the kingdom and not the blueprints of the world, the flesh and the devil. And to do that, we have to be intentional about how we are building and what we are building with. Part of the issue that we face in Uh, this gap that we're experiencing is often we're unaware. We are totally unaware because we are so saturated from our very first breath. We are saturated in the atmosphere of the blueprints of this world, the flesh and the devil. We, this is the air we breathe and the oxygen that's in the atmosphere all around us. The reason that it is so tricky and that we often have such a large gap between what we want to live for Jesus and what we want to see in our life spiritually and what actually does happen is because we are tempted by and tricked into living off of a false blueprint, a fake blueprint. It may look on the surface like the real thing, but it's fake. And so again, that's why we come back to the title of this part in our Vision 2030 series is building cathedrals in a world of castles and fortresses. So the blueprint of our world, the blueprints of our world are blueprints that build castles and fortresses. I wanna just dive into that for a few minutes here to, to help you kind of understand and see in your own life 
how this works and what's going on here as a way to sort of help you sift through and understand uh, what it is you're building in your life. John in 1 John 2.15 gives us literally the blueprint of castle building. He says this, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, a pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what is pleasing to God will live forever. So do you see John is giving us this this blueprint and it's the way of the world. It's the way of the kingdoms of this world. And it's uh, a way that is oriented around self. It's the way of self-indulgence. It's the way of satisfying physical pleasure cravings. It's the way of satisfying the craving of everything we see. It's the way of pride in our achievements and possessions. It's the way of the kingdom of darkness, not the kingdom of heaven. This castle building blueprint is, is, is building our lives on a foundation of self-indulgence. It's a life driven by money, sex, and power. It's a life driven by the satisfaction of self. It's a life that looks to self as the ultimate. Uh, A life that says, I must satisfy desire in me. And as Christians, even as followers of Jesus, we actually can get easily tricked into the subtle differences between kingdom building and castle building. And there are a couple that I just want to point out for you in the life of the church that we just need to be aware of. There is a Christian, quote unquote, castle building blueprint that the enemy has duped many, many, many followers of Jesus with many large swaths of the life of the church have been duped into building castles instead of cathedrals. And I wanna just outline two ways. Number one, progressive theology. Progressive theology that says God wants to validate you according to how you define you. So progressive theology is all about God validating what you determine is best for you. Progressive theology, and this is a very generalized statement, but this sort of progressive theology in our 21st century is a theology bent around God affirming what I determine I want to be, who I am what I am. It's a theology that is bent around self. It's a blueprint for self built around a distortion of God's love. That because God is love, love must mean God is deferring to me to define who I am, to define what is best for me, to define my sexuality, to define my identity, to define what is important in life. It's a theology bent 
around self. The emphasis in this Christian castle building theology is still on me. It's not on God. And the distortion of God's love would say that God's love demands that everyone just gets to do what they want and that God necessarily must affirm that. That God's love is, is, um, is predicated on just affirming what you want. There's also another side to this spectrum in Christian castle building and it's prosperity theology that says God wants to bless me with all that my heart desires and craves. We go back to John and it's like God wants to bless the craving of what I see. God wants to bless my pursuit of achievement and possession. God wants to bless my life and the underlying sort of uh, thrust here is that God is most concerned with my bank account, the size of my house, and making sure I'm comfortable. But again, this is a blueprint that is a distortion of the true and of the real. It's a blueprint built around a distortion of God's heart to provide and bless and sustain. Yes, God does want to bless you. He wants to sustain you and provide for you, to take care of you. But we have to rightly define what those words actually mean. And especially in our modern Western evangelical church culture, in large portions of it, God's blessing of our lives almost entirely takes on a monetary bank account, larger house, better vehicle, more comfort, more ease sort of meaning and tone. So again, with this blueprint, the emphasis is on me. God is at work to serve me in this uh, in both of these Christian castle building blueprints, God is meant to serve me. They come at it from different directions, but the, the end result is the same. God is meant to serve me. My needs, my wants, my identity, my definitions of who I am and what I do and what I want and all of those things. And actually the same spirit that's at work in our culture right now as it relates to identity and sexuality and all like the whole gamut of things. The same spirit at work in those places is the one that's behind this Christian castle building blueprint, both of these blueprints. It's actually the same spirit behind both of them. The emphasis is not on God. The emphasis is on me. And we need to be aware today of the areas in our life where we are tempted to make spiritual life and growth and um, faithfulness to God inherently about us, about us being satisfied, about our needs being met. I'm not saying that God does not want you to live a full and joy-filled, peace-filled, abundant life. He does want you to live an abundant life. We just have to define what that is. So the way of the kingdom, 
the blueprint then of the cathedral building kingdom life is not the way of self. It is, in Jesus' own words, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. That is in the areas of our human sexuality. That is in the areas of our finances. That is in the areas of our desires and our wishes, our desire for greater wealth, greater power, greater influence, greater fulfillment, and all of these things. The the kingdom building blueprint from Jesus is to give up your way take up your cross and follow him. He goes on to say, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? The vision that God has been stirring in us this thing that we are talking about, this vision to see Niagara filled with men and women, young and old, who are these living cathedrals of the presence of God is rooted in Jesus's call to understand what it means to give up our life, to deny ourselves, take up his cross and follow him, to move out of a blueprint for life that is rooted and centered in self to recognize these fake Christian castle building blueprints and understand what the real blueprint from heaven looks like for our life. And there's another kind of building that's going on in the world around us and it's fortress building. And this is the building that is meant to produce self-protection. This is uh, in our culture right now, this is the 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 building that's going on is n- like no one can uh, has anything to say about what i say what i say is true is true what i deem to be correct is correct there there is nothing that i want to hear from anyone in the world around me that contradicts the way my heart feels, the way my desires feel, the, the, like what I believe to be true. And this is the blueprint of self-protection. And we see this happening all over the place in our world and in our culture. And there's also, again, a Christian fortress building blueprint that includes a life of self-protection and it's driven by fear of contamination and a fear of compromise. There is this self-protection mechanism that even the disciples experience, this temptation to pick up a different kind of blueprint for living that they experienced on the weekend that Jesus was crucified, died, and rose again. That Sunday evening, this is John in chapter 20 of John's gospel. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid 
of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus is calling us out of a, a, a life, a blueprint built around self-protection. He's calling us actually out of that. And so often when we see sort of the struggle of the world around us, when we are um, inundated with crisis and with trouble and with pain and with problems, there is a, there's a tendency for us to become self-protective, to protect ourselves, um, but that comes at the expense of our ability to carry the kingdom of God on the earth. There's also in this Christian fortress building blueprint, this pseudo blueprint, a fake one. There's a, a fear of contamination that drives us. And we see this in uh, Paul's interaction with Peter in Galatians 2. I wanna read that to you. When Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. This is Paul writing. For what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. So these uh, walls of uh, the fortress, these fortress building walls, are these walls of external religious metrics, external religious activity, behavior, external behavior that we erect as identifiers of whether someone is in or whether they're out. And Peter faced this, uh, the early church faced this, and we still face this. But I want to just draw your attention to something Fortresses have strong walls, but weak centers. The walls of the fortress are strong, but the center is weak. The fortress wall is meant to define who's in and who's out based on religious behavior, based on uh, morality, based on ethics, based on doctrine and theology. Those are the things, those are the building blocks of the fortress wall. Our vision here, the thing that God is stirring in us is to see Niagara filled with when men and women who are walking with intimacy, a potent presence of the Father in their lives that would allow them to lower the walls of these external behaviors. Men and women who walk in faithfulness and obedience to Jesus and carry his authority on the earth. So the inverse of this fortress, men and women who have a strong, powerful uh, center, for lack of a better word, who have the, the potent presence of the spirit of God in them, which then does not, they don't need to then rely on defining these 
external religious behaviors as the measure of whether someone is worthy of their time and attention, their dignity, their value, whether someone is someone they'll engage with or be seen with or sit with or enter into their space of. And there's so many places in the life of the church right now where these types of things are happening. I just want to give you a couple of practical ones so you can understand sort of what's behind what I'm talking about. When we get into differences uh, with the world around us of how people view human sexuality, this becomes an area where often the church in its fear to articulate what is right and true builds these walls. And in order to converse with someone, they have to come to our side and and lower their conviction of, for instance, which pronouns they decide to use. If they are somebody within the LGBTQ plus space who has decided to define and identify themselves by different and distinct pronouns. Often in the church, we demand before we engage with them, we, we have these types of conversations where we say, I'm not, I, I refuse to acknowledge that in you. I refuse to call you by that pronoun because that would be me agreeing with you, giving some kind of credence or weight to that. And so I'm not willing to do that. And boom, the wall goes up. I'm not saying that, um, you know, that we need to agree with people in these decisions they've made ethically and morally around human sexuality. But like Paul says to the Corinthians, our expectation is not that the world believes what we believe. Our expectation of the world is not that it holds the convictions we hold. So if our demand is that in order for us to engage with them, they have to come to our side of the wall. We're, we're gonna lose. We're never going to carry the kingdom presence and power of God on the earth. And so those are walls that followers of Jesus are building and erecting all the time. This is, would be another one. Would I, as a follower of Jesus, attend a gay wedding? That's another one of those things. And I'm not suggesting for you um, that I have an answer for you in that. What I am suggesting is I don't think that there is a, a clear a religious answer that, that scripture would give us for that. This is where, again, if, if your demand is for clarity on whether you should or shouldn't do that, that is fortress building and that is wall building. The different inverse life, the life where we have the potent presence of God in us, the strong center, if you will, would be the life of walking in the spirit, being responsive to the voice and conviction and leadership of the Holy Spirit. So it's not externally regulated. It's not like following a modern version of Jewish dietary law or Jewish civic law or Jewish, you know, like the, the, God is not inviting us to reinterpret that structure of religious life for our modern time. 
So to me, what I'm getting at is if those issues become the limitation for us to engage in the world around us, to carry the goodness and the beauty of God's kingdom in the world around us, we're already working off of the wrong blueprint. Sorry, getting so excited here. What I'm calling you into is a life of intimacy with the spirit of God that is oriented around following his voice, responding to his conviction and being led by him, not these external regulators of who is in and who is out. The cathedral life is a life that is walked in step with the spirit as Paul talks about later on in Galatians. At the end of the day, Jesus is always breaking down the fortress walls we're trying to build to protect ourselves against contamination, to shield ourselves from people who think differently and act differently and believe differently. Jesus was constantly breaking those down. We can see that in stories in scripture like, him encountering the woman at the well in Samaria, like two massive walls that Jesus just demolished at the astonishment and the utter horror of the disciples that were with him. We can see this in the story of Jesus being anointed as, um, with the alabaster jar of perfume that was broken and uh, used to anoint him for his burial. The religious leaders sitting around the table were sneering in contempt sneering in contempt, saying things like, we would never associate with this kind of woman. And, and in fact, if Jesus was a real prophet, then he would know who this is and he wouldn't have anything to do with her. We have stories like Peter in Acts, the trance that he has where this sheet is lowered down from heaven and it has all of these animals on it. And some of them were unclean according to Jewish dietary laws and restrictions. And God says, kill and eat, Peter. You have free reign, any of them. And Peter says, I could never do that. God, I've never had anything that is religiously unclean. I can't do that. And God was breaking down a fortress wall blueprint mentality that Peter had. Jesus is always sending us out into the world, not shielding us from it. And part of the disparity between where we would like to be, where we would hope to be in our spiritual life, and where we just are is that unknowingly often we've actually, we've actually held and followed the blueprints of castle and fortress building instead of cathedral and temple building. Jesus said that he wanted and does send us out like sheep among wolves. The heart of Jesus is not to shield us from the darkness that's around us. It's actually to bring the power and majesty and beauty, the light of his kingdom into dark places. It's actually not to be a people of hope and despair, just hanging on until he comes back. It's actually to bring the fruit and presence 
of his name and his kingdom to the earth around us. It's to walk in dark places, the kinds of places that no one else would be willing to go into, the kinds of associations with people that all of the religious people around us tell us will defile us. The, the, the reality of the kingdom is that we're called to be these living cathedrals of the power and presence of God and the place of strength in the cathedral is actually in the center of it. A a, a fortress has solid walls, but a cathedral has windows that are meant to, um, to display and emanate the light of God's kingdom. So I wanna end this way. In our live services, we've been cultivating the presence of God in a specific way at the end. We just call this lingering time. I don't have a better name for it, but um, this is a time where we turn our attention over to the Holy Spirit for a few intentional moments of just asking him to speak. What is it you want to say? And this time is born out of a specific story in the Old Testament in Exodus 33:11. There's this beautiful picture. Moses would meet face to face with God in the tabernacle in such a glorious way, the glory of God would manifest itself and it would descend onto the tabernacle and everybody around would come out of their tents and they'd stand and look at the glorious presence of God. And Moses had the privilege to walk face to face and meet face to face with God and listen to what um, the writer of Exodus says, Exodus 33, 11, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Joshua would linger in the presence of God. This is where everything that Joshua would need to become a powerful leader in the kingdom of God was being formed and shaped in his life. And this is what I wanna just invite you into, whether you're driving right now, running on the treadmill, I don't know what you're doing right now, but I wanna invite you into a few moments of intentionally now turning your attention to the Holy Spirit and just asking him a few questions. We're gonna give you some music to help with the awkward silence here, but I I want you right now to just turn your attention to the Holy Spirit. And I just wanna say, Holy Spirit, would you come? You're not limited by whatever is going on in the natural right now in our lives. You're not limited by any of those things. Would you come and would you speak to your people? So here's what I want to invite you just to ask the Holy Spirit. Just as you turn your attention to him, I just want to invite you to ask, Holy Spirit, what are the blueprints I've been using to build my life? What are those castle building and fortress building blueprints that I've been using Would you help me identify where I've been driven by castle and fortress building in my life? 
And I, I wanna just invite you to take a few minutes to listen to the Holy Spirit and ask Him to help you identify what you have been building. And I'm just asking Holy Spirit that you would help us identify what we've been building and that you would give us a vision now in our lives today and in the days to come. Would you give us a vision for how to build our lives as living cathedrals of the presence and power of God. I want you just to linger with that for a few moments now. You're loved, we'll see you soon. Thank you.